So right here, don't be a snob. That's our sermon series that we're on. This is the second sermon. If you're going to put something on social media, please use that hashtag, don't be a snob. And uh, if you would like the sermon notes of this message or any other messages here at the bridge, you just request that right here through this email, okay? So we want to let you guys know about that. We're getting ready for a new series, and we need some stories from you. There's an attribute of God that we don't talk about very much. You remember last week we started the series just talking about a bunch of attributes of God. And when I mentioned those, everybody's like, yep, yep, amen, amen. But then there was one that I brought out that we don't talk about. As a matter of fact, I've got to tell you, in the times I've heard teaching on the characters, characteristics of God's nature, the elements of God's nature, who God is, his attributes, I never heard anybody mention this one, but the Bible is packed with information about this attribute of God, and that is that God is impartial, that God treats everybody the same. God values every person the same. Now, he may give gifts to people more than others, or he may give gifts to people that put them on the stage, so it looks like their gift is more important. How many of you know that is not true? How many of you know that if it wasn't for the people behind the scenes, the people on the stage could not do their ministry? So every gift, every ministry is important. And that is not a statement that I would make just to manipulate you or to, or to say something that's really not true. It is absolutely the truth. Do you understand that how a person is treated in the parking lot determines whether they will receive the sermon in the worship service. How they're treated at the door, how they're treated at the coffee shop, how they're treated at the guest services center, how they're treated in our children's church. How we treat people determines once they get in here whether they're going to be open to the music, whether they're going to be open to the message of the music, whether they're going to be open to the message of the pastor. So we all play a role every Sunday, every time we gather for church, and we do Sunday on Thursday night at Goldsboro. But how we react, how we treat people, not just when we're volunteering, not just when we have a t-shirt, but all the time, all the time, when we come to church, we're God's representative. We're the bridge representative. And people are looking at us and they go, you know, even if it's consciously or subconsciously, they're thinking, you know, whether I receive the word of God today, whether I receive what the Spirit would say to me today, is really based on how I'm going to get treated by these people who tell me they're Christians. Amen, amen. Y'all, You guys with me? And so God is impartial. And uh, that makes him unlike us. He, he's not like us in that category because uh, we have categories. We have a lot of categories. We're very biased. We tend to put everybody in a, in a certain uh, a section of our mind, in a certain compartment of our mind. We rate people. Uh, but our carnal categories mean nothing to God. Are you glad about that? Are you glad about that today? How many people, look at the person beside you. Just look at him. Just look over there at the person beside you. How many of you are glad God loves ugly people? Aren't you glad God loves ugly people? Because you're thinking right now, the one over here, 
Man, he'd be out. That guy would be out if that was the problem. God loves everybody the same. And I got to tell you, I'm really happy about that one. I really am happy about that one. Here's, here's the thing about God. He doesn't snub you because of what you lack. He does not snub you because of what you lack. And he does not give you special attention because of your status or wealth. We serve a God who loves us the same and treats all of us the same. We're in the book of James. And James lays out a series of tests in his book to determine if our faith is dead or alive, to determine our spiritual health if we are Christians. He calls on believers individually. He calls on the church as a whole to conduct a thorough self-examination to determine if we're genuine, if we're the real deal, if we're healthy. Here's what he says. He says, how do you react to trials? How do you react to the trials of life? Because how you react to the trials of life will go a long way in determining where you are with God. He says, how do you react not only to the trials of life, but how do you react to temptation? Because how you react to temptation is going to reveal a lot to, your, to you. It'll reveal it to you and it'll reveal it to everybody around you about your relationship with God. Where are you in that relationship? And then, I love this one, how do you react to truth? I mean, you might be a Christian, but let's say you don't know a lot about the Bible and you learn a new truth, and that truth brings conviction. That truth, even though you're a Christian, maybe you weren't aware of that truth or you didn't know the depth or the power of that truth, or maybe you had heard about that truth, but you'd never really been taught on that truth, and all of a sudden that truth just really gets in you. How do you react to that? How do you react to truth? That's one of the things I love about the bridge. I love you guys because you let me preach the truth. And the same word of God that I preach that brings conviction to you brings conviction to me because I'm just like you guys. I struggle with the same stuff you guys struggle with. How do we react to truth? How do we react to solid Bible preaching, Bible teaching, Christ-centered teaching? You know, we say we love the Bible. I don't want to get hung up here because I'm feeling like I need to stay here a little bit. We get hung up on so many things and, and stuff that don't even matter in the church. And then truth comes along and we just brush it away. Let's, let's embrace the truth. Let's embrace the truth even when it pinches. Let's embrace the truth even when it shines light on our faults and our failures. Let's embrace the truth. I love, and I probably shouldn't bring this up because I didn't refresh myself on it, but you know, the Bereans in the Bible were called noble people. And then when it describes them as noble and you read about them, they were described as noble people because they gladly received the word of God. They gladly received the truth. And, and I love that about you. I love it about you. And I, um, I preach some tough things sometimes, and you guys are right there with me. And I can, it's kind of like, oh me, amen, ouch, amen. Thank God for a church that loves the truth. Bridge, if, if, we, if we mess up in different areas, let it not be in that area. Let's be lovers of the truth, lovers of the word 
of God. And then the fourth test is the one we're talking about in this sermon series, and that is how do you treat people you don't know? Or how do you treat people you do know? And do you treat people equally? In other words, when trials come, that'll reveal who you are. When temptations come, that'll reveal who you are. When the truth comes, how you react to the truth, that'll reveal a lot about you. And then James says how you treat people, how you treat especially the broken, how you treat the poor, how you treat the needy. What is your reaction to those people? How do you react to them? Do you show favoritism based on a person's race, based on the color of a person's skin? Do you show favoritism based on a person's social status in the community, the size of their bank account maybe is impressive to you, or some aspect of their outward appearance, like the video, that was, that was really cool, the video showed that today. Are you prejudiced? Are you a prejudiced person? Are you partial? Are you biased? Are you bigoted? Here's what the Bible calls those words. Here's how the Bible just sums those words up. Are you a respecter of persons? Because one of the ways God is described to us is that he is not a respecter of persons. Can we pray a prayer together right now? Can we pray a prayer together? Everybody pray this with me. Say it right after me. Dear Lord, help me, strengthen me to not commit the sin of being a respecter of persons. That is a sin, and the Word of God is very, very clear about it. We're focusing on James chapter 2, verses 1 through 10, and I'll be reading that in just a moment. But the reason we're focusing on that scripture in a very practical way, James talks about the sin of partiality in the life of the local church. There is a, it, it, evidently he attended this church or he heard about this church because he's actually telling a story here about a local church that mistreated a poor person and gave special attention to a wealthy person. So he's talking here about this business of bigotry and bias and partiality. The principle James wants us to get is this. Your God is impartial and you as Christians are to be like your God. Your God is impartial. Your God doesn't see the outward. He doesn't look on it. Remember we read from Samuel's writings last week, uh, man looks out on the outside, but God looks on the heart. He looks on the inside, exactly. And so, so the Bible, what God is saying to us is, hey, listen, not only is it really, really great and awesome to know that our God is that way, but James is saying, you're one of his followers, you ought to be that way too. When it talks about holiness, the Bible says, Be holy because I, your God, am holy. Be impartial. Don't be prejudiced because I, your God, am impartial. And I am not prejudiced. Be like me. Let's go back to the book of James. Let's start reading James chapter 2. And uh, we'll begin with verse 1. 
go through verse 4 today a little bit. My fellow believers, so again, talking to Christians here. And the reason we know he's talking to Christians because we understand who the audience is. But, but God doesn't expect of unbelievers what he expects of believers. You understand that? When you gave your life to Christ, when you committed your life to Christ, when you allowed his Holy Spirit to uh, work the process of sanctification in you, when you allowed the Holy Spirit not only to fill you but overflow and baptize you, then you are his followers and he's saying, I want you to know that because I have redeemed you, because I have saved you, because my spirit dwells in you, I expect more of you. A lot of times we want to judge unbelievers. We want to judge them. But do you remember when you were an unbeliever? You remember how you behaved? You remember the, the way you gave into those natural tendencies? You say, Pastor, I got to admit, I've given into a few of them since I became a believer. Probably, I know I have. But you know what? The Holy Spirit brings conviction, doesn't he? If I'm prejudiced, I, I sense the conviction of the Holy Spirit. So here's what James is saying. He's saying, you know what? If you are prejudiced and you don't feel the powerful impact of the conviction of the Holy Spirit saying, hey, listen now, that's not right. That's wrong. You got to get that strengthened in your life. You got to get that repaired. You got to get that healed. If you don't feel that conviction, if you don't sense that conviction, if you don't see prejudice as being wrong, then James is saying, man, you're out of whack with God. You're not flowing with God. You're you're alienated from God. He said, my fellow believers, do not practice your faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ with an attitude of partiality. Don't be partial. Be impartial with an attitude of partiality toward people. Show, come on, Bridge. Show no favoritism, Bridge. Show no prejudice. Show no, here it is, snobbery. And that's right out of the Amplified Bible. Let's go to the next slide. For if a man comes into your meeting place, so he's given this example, if a man comes into your meeting place, into your synagogue where Christians were allowed to meet, wearing a gold ring and fine clothes. So let's just pause right there. Wearing a gold ring and fine clothes. So if somebody comes in, and, and now let's don't get legalistic about this. You know, you can be a snob without a gold ring, right? You can be a snob without a, without a, what else do you say, fine clothes. You can still be a snob. All right? So he's just giving this example, this one example. He says, because in the Greco-Roman world, men back then wore very simple clothing and no jewelry except for a ring. And the wealthy back then were distinguished by the cleanliness of their clothes and a gold signet ring. So he's, he's speaking in that in that culture, in that time. But a lot of that still applies to us today, absolutely. Wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and then in contrast to the gold ring and fine clothes guy, you got this poor man, and he comes in wearing what? Dirty clothes. He also comes in, go to the next slide. And you pay special attention. There it is right there. Respecter of person. You pay special attention to the one who wears fine clothes. And you say to him, sit here in this good seat. And then you tell the poor man, you stand over there. Or even better yet, why don't you sit down on the floor? 
by the footstool of the rich man. The rich, influential man gets the best seat in the house. The poor nobody is told, you sit down here on the floor at the rich man's feet by his footstool. And then the Lord warns. Here comes the warning in the next verse. He says, if that happens, if you do that, have you not sinned? Have you not discriminated among yourselves? And have you not become a judge? And what does the Bible say? Judge not. Have you not become a judge with what? Not right motives, not good motives, but wrong motives. Now, as we're talking about this problem, this sin of discrimination, let's just make a few observations. So it's time for church, and in walks Mr. Goldfingers. As a matter of fact, the phrase, with a gold ring, when you look at the original language there, it means a gold-fingered man. One preacher said he had a gem at every joint and a nugget at every knuckle. Wearing his heart Schaffner and Marks. Do you know what kind of suit that is? I don't think I've ever had one of those. Any suit it takes three men to make, I don't think I need that. But that's evidently a really, really nice suit. By the way, I get my clothes from a French designer Jacques Penet. Some of you may pronounce it J.C. Penny. Mr. Goldfingers comes into the church. He's very wealthy. He's very powerful. And it's obvious he wants everybody to know it. Have you seen that guy walk into church? Now look, I am 15 under your business years old. And I've been pastoring since I was 19 years old. I have seen Mr. Goldfingers walk in. I'm not saying he had gold on his fingers, but I've seen the guy walk in who walked in to say, I am here, you are blessed. I am here, you are blessed. You are blessed by my presence. Gosh, man, I've got that picture of that guy in my mind right now. Lord, please erase that so I can go on with my sermon. And just as he hoped they would, the church folk turn around and look at him and they say, oh, wow. Did you see the video? (laughs) David was... Just in awe of the man with the red car and the pinky ring, which bothered me just a little bit. But Wow, who is he, they said. Look at that man. I can tell he's somebody important. Move back, everybody. Make way for the gentleman. Let's give him the best seat. Why did they do this? Why did they do this? Because of his outward Appearance because of what they saw on the outside. And the usher, whoever brought him in, became a respecter of person and provided him with the best seat in the house. I'm telling you, a seat that even came with its own footstool. And I said, when the bridge hears about this, they're going to go, bring on the footstools. Did I tell you guys the story of the young man who was doing some work at my house. His name's Tony Sullivan. He does awesome work. He does awesome work. And he was doing some work at my house. He had been, at our, been coming to our church for a little while. And Tony said, uh, hey, Pastor, do you know how I came to the bridge? And I said, no, not really. He said, well, let me just tell you. He said, I would eat breakfast at Hardy's every morning with a bunch of old guys. And he kind of looked me over a couple times as if to say, like you. And then he said, we were sitting there talking, and he said, the bridge came up. And he said, one of them said, I've never been out there, but here's what I heard. 
I heard they got one of those disco balls hanging right in the middle of the worship center. Got a little disco ball spinning around. And I heard that the only kind of chairs they got in that church are recliners. He said, and they reach down and they pull the, and the foot pops up and then they watch TV. That's all they do is sit in a recliner and watch TV and enjoy their disco ball. And Tony said, I wasn't a Christian, and I thought, man, that's the church I've been looking for. <laughs> he said, so I went to the bridge, and I've never been so disappointed <laughs> in my life. Reminds me of a story I heard about a woman talking about, you know, looking at what people wear to church and, and looking, you know, at... Uh, you know, all the jewelry or whatever. And I'm not saying those things are a sin. I'm just saying people go to church for a lot of different reasons. Like the lady who said to her husband, hey, honey, after church. She said, honey, did you see the hat Miss Smith had on today? He said, no, not really. She said, hmm. She said, hey, hey, did you see the, the dress that Miss Jones was wearing today? Did you see that new dress she had on? He said, no, I, I didn't really notice. She said, well, what good does it do you to go to church? You don't get anything out of it. <laughs> a lot of people go to church for different reasons. So Mr. Goldfingers came in, and you saw the reaction. And now the poor guy comes in. Well, I gave Mr. Goldfingers a name. I didn't know what name to give the poor guy, so we're going to call him Mr. Bojangles. Y'all remember that song? Who remembers that song? Got some old people here. Amen. So the usher said to Mr. Bojangles, when he walked in, he looked him over, and he thinks, well, obviously, this man is not worth very much money, and I don't think he has any position or power in the community. The King James Version says that this poor man had on vile raiment, and that word vile raiment, those two words mean his clothes were very dirty. You know what that tells you about that man? It tells you he's probably a working man. Thank God for working men. <laughs> I'm telling, thank God for working women. Thank God for people who work. Can, can I just, I'm old, can I get political? Thank God for people who want to work for what they get. Thank God for that. Have a revival of that. I tell you why I work, because the Bible says if you don't work, I love eating. <laughs> Dirty clothes indicated that he was a laboring man, a working man, uh, and maybe he just hadn't had a chance to really bathe and freshen up before he went to church. Now, I preached this message Thursday night at the bridge. I got a bunch of amens right there, because they had all just got off of work. I got to tell you something, man, it blesses me when I walk in and see somebody in a nurse's uniform. I walk in and see somebody in there, maybe the shirt they wore to work. I love it that the bridge is a church that says, hey, baby, don't worry about it. Spray on some whatever and bring it on. But make sure you spray something on. Amen? I love that about our church. I love it. I love that you can't say, well, I couldn't go to church because I had to look a certain way. I had to dress a certain way. I had to smell a certain way. We like for you to smell good. Let me just make that clear. We like that. But if that's going to keep you out of church, bring it on. We can handle it. 
So he was a, a man who maybe came to church straight from work. Maybe he's got a little dirt under his fingernails. and Maybe his shoes are scuffed up. And they're not shined. Can I say this to you today? Never judge a jewel because it comes in a plain box. Can I admit a sin that I've committed? Y'all want to hear that? Y'all love it when I do that, don't you? I have judged people who've walked in our church and missed it by a country mile. I've had people walk in, I'm, I'm admitting this now, and said, oh, look at that family. Or look at that couple. Or look at that gentleman or that young lady. Wow, they're really sharp. You can tell. They're really sharp. They're really smart. You can just really tell. They're the kind of people, man, they're the kind of people we want at the bridge to help us get to the next level. And I've watched those people do nothing for the kingdom of God. I've watched those people not volunteer, not serve, not get involved, and I've watched those same people. Can I preach today? Because you know what? The people I'm burning right now, hey, they all come to the second service. None of them are here. <laughs> Criticize, write emails and don't sign them. Talk about you're not preaching. I need to go somewhere I can get fed. You ever heard somebody say, I need to go to church where I can get fed? Can I tell you something about that? The only people I know in society who cry about not getting fed are little babies. Grown folks get up and go make a sandwich. <laughs> Amen? This whole thing of I've got to go to a church where I can get fed, you know what that means to me? That means I want to just get in some rich Bible study. I just want to get in the Word. I just, want to, I just need deeper. I just need the Word. You know what? Most of the time, not every time, but most of the time, you can't get those folks to strike a lick out of snake. That's Southern right there. Amen. Because you know why? They're too spiritual all up in here. They're too spiritual. Man, I'm getting some stuff off my chest today. Woo, feel like I got saved. Amen. And then I've watched people walk in who I thought, well, God bless you. What do we say in the South when we look at somebody and bless your heart? Come on in, bless your heart. <laughs> Should. <laughs> and I've watched those people surrender their lives to the power of Jesus Christ. And I've watched them be transformed and become the top leaders in this church, the most influential people in this church. You know what I say to that right there, what I just told you? Lord, please forgive me for being just like that usher that James is talking about in chapter 2. Every person is a soul for whom Jesus died. This usher looks at Mr. Bojangles and thinks, well, he's not worth much. It'll make no difference where he sits, so he takes him over there to Mr. Goldfinger's chair and tells him to sit on the floor at Mr. Goldfinger's feet. And I want to say this, when the church acts that way, when the church does that, we crush people. 
We crush people. We deeply wound the spirit of people. And immeasurable damage is done to the cause of Christ. You studied him in school. It was a man who was the leader of India. He carried a deep love and burden for the Indian people. His name was Mahatma Gandhi. You know all about him. You studied him. He cared so deeply about the people of India that he went on a search. He went on a search for a philosophy that would help the people of India, that would help them to be free and to prosper. He was looking for a philosophy, a way. He was looking for a truth that would bring blessing to his nation. He studied different faiths. He studied different religions. And in the process of studying religions, he studied Christianity. And when he studied Christianity, listen to what he said. He said, I believe that's it. I believe Christianity is it. I believe Christianity is what the people of India need. So he said, I know what I'll do. I'll go to a church. Oh, Lord. I'll go to a Christian church and, and I'll learn more. And an usher met him at the door. This is a true story. And saw who he was. And saw the color of his skin. And saw the clothing of his nation that he wore. And he said sternly, I'm sorry, sir. This church is for Europeans only. Listen now. Mahatma Gandhi walked away and became the Hindu leader of India. Here is a man who could have reached multiplied millions of people with the gospel of Jesus Christ if the man who met him at that Christian church, the man who met him at the door, would have welcomed him with impartiality, would have welcomed him without prejudice, would have welcomed him without bigotry, would have welcomed him without making a judgment with wrong motives. Had he welcomed Mahatma Gandhi into that Christian church, what would have happened to the nation of India? I tell you, when you think about the ramp, tell him I said hello. When you think about the ramifications of that story, what happens when we treat somebody like that, what happens when an African-American person pulls up to one of our traditional southern churches that haven't been taught this, haven't been challenged on this, haven't been brought this message, and they walk up to the door? I know what they experience. They experience what I call the skunk eye. Y'all know what the skunk eye is? What y'all doing here? What are you doing here? Give them that squinched up look. I love what I see happening at the bridge. And let me say to you, I want more of it. I want to see more color. I got to tell you something, man. When we get people of color in here, our music gets better. Hallelujah. Amen. Y'all with me? When we see people of color in here and, and, and we have a church, listen, that looks like the community we live in. Amen. It looks like the community we live in. That's a beautiful thing to me, and that's a healthy thing to me. And let me just say this. If you don't like what I just said, please don't mention it to me. And I know, I know what you want to say. I, I know, Pastor, I was brought up and I was raised, and my daddy said, get over it. 
What about that daddy? What about what that daddy said? What about what that parent said? Amen? And here we are this morning, and in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, we're seeing another, another breakout, another situation where there's... You, can I tell you all something? If we can get this right in here, we will impact out there. But we got to get it right in here. we got to get it right in here. And when you go out and you treat that person of color at Bojangles who's serving you, amen, Bojangles, amen, you treat that person the same way you would if it was a person of your skin color. We've got to let God do this work in us, church. You know, we love it when pastor gets up and preaches on uh, fornication because, you know, we're not doing that one. We like it when pastor gets up and preaches on stealing because we're not doing that one. We like it when pastor gets, says, thou shalt not kill. We're not doing that one just in our head, you know. We're just doing that in our head. And somebody asked me if me and, me, and, me and Millie had ever talked about divorce. I said, never. Talked about murder a couple times. Never talked about divorce. We love it when pastor gets up and rages and preaches and gets powerful on stuff we're not doing. Can I say this to y'all? Are y'all with y'all love me? This is in the house right here. This is in the house. James gives the illustration of a local church here. He's not giving the illustration of a community. He's not giving the illustration of society in general. He is bringing it right to the house. He's bringing it right to the church. And if we want the Holy Spirit to be free to do whatever he wants to in this church, we got to work on this one and let God change us. This usher made the mistake so many churches make today. In James chapter 2, he indulged the rich and he in, was indifferent to the poor. Now let's close with this. Look at verse 4. He says, I want to bring it home. I want to bring it, I want to put it in your face. And that's one thing you can say about James, buddy. Just read his book. He does not pull punches. He says, I want to ask you a question. Have you, if we do that, if we do like this usher did, have we not discriminated among yourselves? And have we not become judges when Jesus said, don't do it? Have we not done it with wrong motives? This means you have put one person in one category and you've put another person in another category based on your personal prejudices and he says what I want you to understand is that God forbids it God forbids it the ground around the cross of Calvary is level ground no one's higher or lower than anybody else all people are precious in the sight of God. And if you haven't learned that, then you don't even understand the basics of Christianity. Now, I want to I leave you with this truth. The Bible does not say, when it says there's not to be partiality in the church, the Bible does not say there's not to be seniority. The Bible talks about people in their leadership roles who, are, who have labored long in the doctrine. They've proven their lives over years, the right kind of life, the right kind of attitude. When I read that, I think about Barnabas and how Barnabas was the man. You know, they were prejudiced against Paul. But Barnabas rose up and brought Paul in and said, Hey, guys, listen now. Listen, 
I know this guy's got a terrible reputation, but he's, he's been converted. He's gotten saved, and had it not been for Barnabas and their trust in Barnabas, they would have never given Paul a chance. So sometimes in this whole prejudice thing, you might have to take somebody by the hand that you know is being mistreated, and you might have to walk with them and say, I know this guy, this guy is a man of God, this gal is a woman of God, and you might stand up for them, amen? And so we all know in the Bible that in Romans 13 and 7 it says, Give honor to whom honor is due. So there is to be seniority. As a matter of fact, we'll put it this way. In the local church, there is to be seniority. There is to be authority. But there is to be no superiority. No superiority. If I'm speeding down the road and the highway patrolman pulls me over, not that that's ever happened. I think my picture might be up at the highway patrol station. Farrell Hardison added this wing between age 16 and 19. <laughs> but when that patrolman pulls me over and comes up to my window, you know what? He's no better than I am. I'm no better than he is, but guess who's in charge? He's in charge. You go, well, I don't like it, and I'll let him know. I don't. Well, we'll visit you in jail. <laughs> but he's in charge right then. He's the authoritarian. Now, when you're in authority, you have a lot of responsibility. So the, the Bible teaches that there's to be seniority in the church, there's to be authority, but there's to be no superiority. We may be different in the church as to calling. We may be different as to our giftedness or our appointment in the church or our job position, but in the sight of God, in the New Testament church, and I Pray that we are a New Testament church, or at least we're striving to be, that everybody is somebody at the bridge. Amen? Everybody's somebody. So here's the deal. How we react to people is a test. You say, don't you mean, Pastor, how we react to the poor? Oh, yeah, that's a test. But how we react to the influential, how we react to the rich, how we react to the powerful. So how we react to people tells who we are. It reveals who we are. If you're like God, if you're striving to be like God, if you're working to be like God, then you won't favor certain people because of their status or their skin color. You won't favor certain people because of their education or their wealth. You won't favor people because of their fame or prestige or outward appearance or any of that. There's no place in the church. There's no place in the life of a Christian for favoritism. It's not to be in the heart of God, and it isn't, and it is not to be in his people. It should not be, <clears throat> and therefore there's no place for it in his church, and the bridge, I believe, is his church. Amen? Everybody love everybody. Hashtag don't be a snob. I didn't get my sign made last week, but I'm going to get it made this week. And I don't know what I'm going to do with that sign. I might give me a big old sign and go find a busy intersection in Goldsboro and just stand up and hold that sign that says, Everybody love everybody. You know, the least I'm going to do is I'm going to put it in my window of my Tahoe. I'm going to put it in there. Everybody love everybody. Wouldn't that be a great movement for the bridge? If we all, what if we made some stickers? 
They said everybody, love everybody. I know what some of you do. You get one of those little round ones that says E-L-E. See, nobody know what that meant. You ought to get the everybody love everybody. Amen? I just think, I just, and I'm, I'm done here. I'm done almost. I'm, this is all, I charge you for the, this part's free. This part's free. I, I just feel like we bear responsibility in this community like no other church. I really do. You know, when God blesses the church the way he's blessed the bridge, I think God goes, I didn't bless you just to be blessed. I blessed you to have influence. I blessed you to get out there. And I'm going to put that sign in my Tahoe. Everybody love everybody. Hashtag, don't be a snob. Who will do that with me? Can I do that with me? Everybody love it. Don't come out with a sign like that. It's a little sign. I'm talking about put it up there, at least the size of a piece of typing paper. That's what old people call it. At least that eight and a half by 11, glory to God. Big, you know, and you can do it on your computer and write it out. Put it on there. Everybody love it. Let's get a movement going. Let's get a movement going and have people go, have y'all seen all these cars riding around Goldsboro, Princeton, Johnston County, Wayne County, talking about everybody love everybody? Let's do it. I'm going to keep bugging you about that. Matter of fact, I'm going to go out there, and if you don't have one, I'm going to put a ticket on your car. <laughs> and then we're going to take that $5 you pay on that ticket. We're going to make a sign stick it on your car. <laughs> Amen? Don't we want to be known like that? Amen? Yes, we do. We do. We want to be known like that. Let's all stand.